You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. I am so excited about tonight. Can I give you a little history of our church for just a moment? We started our church 27 years ago. My brother and I did, my brother Brett, who now pastors in Las Vegas. And when it came to the Lord's Supper, we, we just kind of picked up a tradition that, we, that had been passed down. By the way, it's not, it wasn't a bad tradition. It was a good tradition. We, you know, you, sometimes you kind of do what you experienced in life, right? So what I had experienced was the Lord's Supper about every four months, every quarter. And it was usually in the Sunday morning service. It was something you either tagged on to the end or you tagged on to the beginning. And you didn't, I know that sounds kind of awful to tag it on, but in essence, that's what we did. It wasn't, it, it wasn't necessarily the focus of the service. It was just something we did in obedience to the scriptures. The Lord's Supper is an ordinance of the church. It's something that we are to do. God says, do this as oft as you do it in remembrance of me. And so we as a church family have decided, you know, about every quarter, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. And we did it on a Sunday morning. Well, or sometimes we do it on a Sunday night, always just kind of add it into the service. Well, as time went on, um, I don't know, I guess I just began to, the Holy Spirit dealt with me in, in, in a way that I thought it would be wise to bring it to our elders and discuss how we could maybe change that a little. I, I felt like it was, it, there wasn't enough attention given to it. The focus wasn't there. There didn't seem to be a, a, a attitude of, of wor- worship. And, and it just seemed to be that I was fitting it in, stuffing it in. I almost felt awful just saying, you know, we got to hurry it up because the people have to get out. We went over. And I just felt like I was treating this wonderful ordinance like it was just some sort of a, you know, little thing we did every now and then. So I submitted to the elders that we should try a Sunday night service and do it at five o'clock and let's just see what happens. Maybe it'll be different. Maybe our church will like it. So we did it. I'll never forget the first time we did it. Five o'clock. We always go 50 to 55 minutes. And I've never received in all of my years of pastoring at this church, and that's a lot of years, so much feedback. People were saying, Pastor, for the first time, we really feel like we understand what Jesus meant when he said to remember. It was just amazing. It was so worshipful, and, and the setting was perfect, and, and, and hearing the different things and seeing the things. Pastor, thank you. Can we do that again? And so we've been doing it ever since. In fact, if, if anything, there's been somewhat of a suggestion that we would increase the number of times that we do the Lord's Supper in a year, not so much add to the Sunday night venue, but maybe... Maybe do it on Sunday morning from time to time. So we're looking into that for the year 2020. So tonight is special. Tonight is important. And so this morning, I, I want to get us ready. If I, I want the Holy Spirit to do that. I had a message ready two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I was excited. I was prepared to preach a message and on the Lord's Supper. And then Jordan gave me the set list. And I saw on that set list the song, The Lamb of God. So I ran to his office. He can tell you, I kind of, I kind of pop in without knocking. You know, I just kind of, I get excited. You know, and I jumped in Jordan's office, which is right across the hallway from me. And I said, Jordan, are you said on that song, Lamb of God. He said, it's, it's in. It's not coming out, preacher. We're singing the Lamb of God. It's a new song. We're going to present it to the church, and I think it's going to be great for that Sunday. And I said, I want to preach on the Lamb of God. So I took that sermon, set it aside for another time, and I wrote this sermon for today. 
And this morning, my prayer is that God would allow all of us for the next few moments to understand why grace is so amazing. Why we sang that song, why Calvary covers it all. Why the Lamb of God? Who is this Lamb of God? And what does it mean that he took my place, the Lamb of God? You're in Exodus chapter 12. In just a moment, we're going to read some verses from there. But by way of introduction, let me say that the Lamb of God is an amazing truth. And there are some wonderful truths about the Lamb of God that we're going to learn today looking at the Old Testament Passover. See, Passover is about a lamb. A lamb that was slain. In fact, in our songs a moment ago, you may have heard that phrase a couple of times. The lamb that was slain. The Passover was about a lamb back in the time of Moses. But it's still about a lamb today. Whether that lamb be Moses' lamb or whether that lamb be Mary's lamb. You see, Mary's lamb was simply a fulfillment of the prophecy of Moses' lamb. And so let's give just a quick history lesson very quickly. But I I think most of you who have just a little knowledge of the Bible would remember the story of the Israelites and how that they were Jews, they were slaves in the land of Egypt. But God was going to take them out of slavery. God was going to redeem them. He was then going to make a way that they would get out of bondage and into the land of victory. That land of victory was called what? The promised land, right? It was a land the Bible described as flowing with milk and honey. This was a place of victory. And so the question would be this morning, how was God going to deliver his people? He was going to do it with a lamb. Now, if you were to think of the epitome of weakness, it would be a lamb. Such a kind of a pitiful animal. Weak, innocent, little, small, a defenseless animal. If you were to slaughter a lamb, you would almost feel guilty. The lamb almost seems to present itself to death. That must have been what scripture meant in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 7. Where the Bible says that he, Jesus, was oppressed. He was afflicted. Jesus opened not his mouth. Here's what Jesus was like. He was like a lamb. Defenseless. Weak. He was like a lamb that was led to the slaughter. He was like a sheep before her shearers is silent. And so this lamb presented itself to death. The lamb seems to say... If you're hungry, eat me. It's okay. I'm good with it. The lamb seems to say, if you're cold, I got an idea. Just kill me and then shear me and take my wool and make a coat for yourself. That's it's fine. That's what I'm here for. Just, 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 it's all good. And so God chose to deliver his people with a lamb. And so, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, just by way of introduction, looking to the New Testament first, I want to remind you that God said to cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. We're going to look at some of that a little later in the message. Some of this will make sense more as we move on. It's not a long message, but, and it's not, I'm not giving you a lot of details, but just enough for you to understand this lamb. 
For Christ, our New Testament, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Are we to still celebrate the Passover according to Scripture? Yes. Let us therefore celebrate the festival. Not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So we go to the Old Testament for just a moment. We look at Exodus chapter 12 and we look at two things today. The first thing we're going to look at is Moses' lamb. And what I want to take just a few minutes to develop is this thought. I want you to see the symbolic promise that was in Moses' lamb. We're going to look at the symbol of Moses' lamb and how it resembles God's lamb in just a few moments. Exodus chapter 12. Hopefully you're there. If not, I encourage you to look on with someone else. Not all these verses are on the screen. This is the text. I always read one text. I love to read one text. So here we go. Now, as I read this, I want you to remember something. I want you to remember that the Jews have been slaves in Egypt. God is getting ready to deliver them. All right. Here we go. Verse one. So the Lord says to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat. You shall make your count for the lamb. Now listen, pay attention. Listen to this. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male, one year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Look at verse 11. In this manner you shall eat it. With your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. I want you to see several things about Moses' lamb, the symbolic promise here. Notice it with me. First thing I want you to see is this, the character of Moses' lamb. I want you to notice with me in verse 5 and 6 how it is to be a male. And Christ is the Son of God. I want you to also notice that it is to be without spot or blemish. It was to be chosen on the 10th day of April. It was to be examined for three and a half days. And let me tell you something. These Old Testament priests, they examined these lambs thoroughly. They looked through the wool to make sure it was without blemish or spot. They checked the inside of the mouth to make sure it was totally clean. They would check the eyelids. It's even been studied and said to make sure this lamb was spotless. It had to be a perfect lamb, picturing the perfect, sinless, spotless lamb of God. Notice with me the character of Moses' lamb. Secondly, I want you to see the condemnation of the lamb. And verse 6 speaks about that. The lamb was to be killed. If you'll notice on the screen, I have it highlighted The assembly, the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs. It was to be killed, this innocent little lamb. The father would take the little lamb and he would pull back the neck of that lamb and then take a knife. He would take that knife to the throat of that little defenseless innocent lamb. He would cut the throat and cut the jugular vein. 
the blood would then fall from that vein into a basin and you would catch all of that blood. And God was teaching his people what the Bible says in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Never forget that. Never forget that. Our salvation is based upon that. The fact that you and I today can sing Calvary covers it all is because Jesus shed his blood. There is no forgiveness. There is no salvation without it. Salvation is not learning lessons from the life of Christ. It is receiving life from the death of Christ. You can attend church. You can sit in a pew. You can learn in Sunday school or small group. You can look the part and and know the part and gain all the knowledge. But let me tell you something. That's not where salvation comes from. Not lessons from the life. But it comes from receiving life from his death. And that's what we sang about this morning. We didn't sing about our good works getting us to heaven. We sang about his sacrifice on the cross. Oh, Lamb of God. Oh, Lamb of God. Hallelujah, the Lamb of God. And that's what tonight is all about. We will remember his death tonight. We're going to remember that. Yes, he told us to, but oh, we should want to. Because it's what it's all about. Then number three, I want you to see the confession of the Lamb. Notice what it says that they were to do in verse number seven. It says that they were to take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts. Put it on the two doorposts. Look at verse 7. It says here that they were to take this uh, 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 hyssop, uh, a type of weed, and this hyssop they would take and dip it in the basin of blood that had been uh, gathered from that lamb that was slain. They would take that little hyssop and they would then mark the two doorposts. It was said with the sign of the cross. So that anybody that would walk out of that house or into that house, out of that house and into that house would be walking under the blood that was put on those doorposts. They were confessing that there had been a lamb slain for the members of that house. There had been a lamb slain. They had obeyed. There was no way they could hide it. They were confessing it. There was no substitute for it. There was no way to make some other way. You, well, let, let's not kill our lamb. Let's just, let's keep it alive. And we just set it there at the doorpost, the live lamb. You know, we just put it there, not go through all the trouble. Just, just do that. Or maybe what we'll do is take our, our pearls and our wealth and we'll put it all around the door. Really make it a fancy door. Make it look really good. So everybody be really impressed by our incredible door garnished with all of the beauty of our riches. That would not have substituted the only way was to shed blood and put it on the doorpost. They were confessing. You see, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. And they were not ashamed of that. They weren't ashamed of it. And I say to our church this morning, we should not be ashamed of that blood. This morning as we worshiped Jesus Christ and what he did for us on Calvary, it's no wonder our hands would raise or our hearts would lift or our voices would raise or our tears would weep or cry. There's no wonder we would feel some gratitude for this lamb that was slain. And we're not ashamed of that, the gospel light. Then there's the communion of Moses' lamb. Interesting, isn't it? They actually ate the lamb. Look, if you would please, at verse number 8. It says that you're going to eat this flesh at night. 
I want you to roast it on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water. I want you to roast it. It's heads, it's legs, it's inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains, very important, let none of it remain. Anything that remains under the morning shall you burn. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Not only should the blood be applied, but the lamb should be consumed. It says here, the lamb was roasted with fire. What is that picture? What is that a symbol of? It's a picture of the lamb of God who took the fires of hell for us. You see, you and I should pay the debt for our sin. We should have been on that cross. We should spend an eternity in hellfire. But the lamb of God was roasted for us. He died for us. He suffered. He was baptized in hell for us. No wonder we sing about his amazing grace. No wonder I'm so passionate about the Lord's Supper tonight. It's what it's all about. It's what saved my soul. It's what set me on a a, a stable place. It's what's given me a congregation like this to worship with. It is amazing grace. It's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He did it for you. He did it for me. The Lamb that died for them is now the Lamb that is in them. Reminds me of Colossians 1.27, where Scripture says, The riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. He is in you. He is inside of those of us today who have trusted him as our Lord and Savior. We've repented. We've believed on the name of Jesus Christ, and he today is in us. Notice that phrase in Exodus chapter 12. Let none of it remain. Eat all of it. It seems today that so many just want a little bit of Jesus. Just give me a little of Jesus. I don't mind coming to church. I don't mind, you know, I don't mind praying. I, hey, I'll, I'll show up, you know, every now and then. I just, give, give me, a, I like it. It's, it's okay. Give me a little bit of Jesus. I just, I'll make him my Savior, but not my Lord. But yet God says that's not how it works. Eat all of it. I want all of you, and I want you to want all of me. You see, it is an incredible love relationship with our Savior who gave us his all. This is the symbolic picture of Moses' lamb. Now I want to move into the saving power of God's lamb. This is a now the New Testament side of things. Remember that all of the Bible is about Jesus, right? The Old Testament is about Jesus, Amen. And the New Testament is about Jesus. Moses' lamb was only, proph- only prophesied Mary's lamb. Jeremiah, the prophet, said in Jeremiah chapter 31, these words. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. When I'll make a new covenant, anytime you see that word new covenant, it also is the same words for New Testament. I, I'm going to make a new covenant, a new testament with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the old covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. No, this is a different covenant. It is a new covenant. And that's why John the Baptist said in John chapter 1, in verse number 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's a new covenant. It's a new Lamb. 
And so I want you to see several things about God's lamb. Number one, could we also look at the character of God's lamb? Could we do that for just a moment? You see, he too was to be a spotless lamb. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, we read it a moment ago. We'll read it again for sake of emphasis. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Thank God for our holy Savior. Perfect, spotless, sinless. And believe me, they too examined him. Oh, did they ever. Have you ever noticed that the Gospels, we know Jesus lived what, how many years? 33 some odd years, right? And then he was crucified. Isn't it amazing how a third of the Gospels is given to the last week of his life? He lived all that time, but a third of the Gospels is given to what we call the examination week. The week when they would try to find some fault in Jesus. The week they would try to find some flaw in Jesus. And believe me, they tried. He went before Herod. He was examined by Herod. He was examined by Pilate. He was examined by all of those who were there. They were looking for some little fault, some little flaw. They had to get false witnesses to find some fault in him. Why? Because there was no fault in him. In fact, Pilate said in John 18, verse 38, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out and again unto the Jews and said, I find in him no fault at all. Another passage of scripture says, no man ever spoke like this man. There was no fault. There was no flaw. He was absolutely, totally perfect. Someone may say, hey, what do you think the strong points of Jesus are? Not a good question. For me to imply there were strong points would imply there must have been weak points. The truth of the matter is, he was perfect. Every part of Jesus was perfect. He was totally, absolutely perfect. And that's why we can sing about his amazing grace. He was a spotless lamb. Secondly, I want you to see this about God's lamb. The condemnation of the lamb. Tonight, most of the focus will be on that. It will be. We're going to remember the condemnation of the lamb. The fact that he died for our sins. Pictured in a bread that will be broken and... And, and, and wine, juice that we'll, we will sip that cup, we will drink of that cup as we remember his death. In fact, Luke 22 says it like this. Look at it on the screen. He took bread and he, when he had given thanks, he broke it. He broke that bread. You know what that broken bread represents? It represents my broken body. He was broken so that I would not have to be broken forever in all eternity in hell. When he had broken that bread, he gave it to them and said, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and he said, this cup is poured out for you. It is the new covenant in my blood. It was unleavened bread because leaven represents sin, but there was no sin in his body. Thank God that there is a, a new lamb, a, a new covenant, a new Passover, a new life. Amen. I'm so grateful for that. God gave me a, a chance at life, a new life with a, a new beginning and a new heaven and a new earth and a new song in my heart today because of what Jesus has done for me. So God's lamb was hanging on that cross. 
And all the sins of the world were put upon the Lord Jesus Christ as he cries out in victory. It is finished. Painful. And you and I can say, hallelujah, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God, that's... When he, when he said, it is finished, paid in full, that said to all the Levites and to all the little, little lambs, you can go home now. Your services won't be needed anymore. Everything's taken care of. The perfect, sinless, spotless lamb has been slain. The Passover is over. There is a new Passover. And here it is in John 1, It's the lamb of God who now takes away the sins of the world. Scurry lambs, you can go. Get out. No, no, we don't need you anymore. You can live. You can live. It's a new day. It's okay. It's okay. We don't need the basin. We don't need to do that anymore. It's, it's okay. The Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. And then the confession of God's Lamb. Remember they had to put the blood on the doorpost, right? Remember that in the Old Testament? Well, they put the blood on the doorpost because they were not ashamed. The Passover angel, the Old Testament teaches, would then visit the home of every one of those Israelites. And if there was a house where the blood was not on the doorpost of one of those houses, the Bible says that the judgment of God would come to that house. And we must openly confess the lamb. We must openly confess the lamb. It's why, again, we sang a moment ago about the Lamb of God and we openly confess in this service our love and our passion for the Lamb of God. That's why we'll come back tonight at 5 o'clock and openly confess our belief in Jesus Christ because that's where it all starts. Romans chapter 10 says it like this. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. There is the confession of God's Lamb. And you and I must be willing to openly confess him. It starts at baptism, hallelujah. But we spend the rest of our lives proclaiming the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you in this culture, it seems as if people are walking away from the lamb. It seems as if people now often renounce their faith and walk away. They're not willing to confess the lamb. May that not be said of gospel light and our membership and our people. May we be more bold than ever to confess that we belong to Jesus. We belong to Jesus. And then I want you to see finally there's the communion of God's lamb. What did they do in Moses' day? What did they do? They ate the lamb. They ate all of it. So what do we do? Well, we feed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, that's why we have the Lord's Supper. We are celebrating Passover that has been transformed into a memorial that remembers God's lamb. And we call that memorial the Lord's Supper. That's what tonight's all about. It's basically a transformation of what took place in the Old Testament. It's the new Passover. Amen. And tonight we'll celebrate that. We'll take the broken bread. I'll read a passage of scripture. And when I say, this is my body, which is broken for you, everybody in the audience in that moment that we have prepared for, for the last 45 minutes or so tonight, will then take that bread and put it into their mouths and consume it. We'll take a moment to be thankful. And then I'll mention the cup. 
And I'll say something like this. We're going to take that cup and I'll say, this is my blood, which was shed for you, the words of Jesus. And then we'll take that little cup and we'll drink that grape juice and, and, and we'll take a moment and we'll be thankful and we'll remember that Jesus shed his blood for uh, our sins. In doing that, we'll be saying this, I'm not ashamed of the lamb. I'm not ashamed of the lamb, the lamb of God. Hallelujah. In fact, in First Corinthians 5, again, I want to draw your attention to these verses. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. The old is gone. The new has come. You're really unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. And therefore, celebrate the festival. Celebrate. And so don't be surprised tonight if we leave this building on cloud nine. We'll leave this building singing about the beautiful name of Jesus. We'll be lifting him up, praising him all the way to our cars. It'll be a different ride home tonight. I can assure you, you may have your kids asking questions about the Lamb of God, and you'll have a chance to share with them why we did what we did. You'll have an opportunity to witness to your own children. Others may come tonight and be curious about what's happening. And obviously, this is just for those who have accepted Christ. But what an opportunity to be a witness and not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Worthy is the Lamb. So I have a question for you in closing. Are you under the Lamb? Are under the blood or are you over the blood? Which one are you? You see, everybody this morning will leave this building either under the blood or walking over the blood. I want to challenge you this morning. If you've never truly accepted Christ as your Savior, this morning you have that opportunity to ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin, to accept his payment on the cross, the Lamb of God. Who took your place. If the songs we sang a moment ago. Which were a clear presentation of the gospel. If those songs spoke to you. And and moved your heart. I would encourage you this morning. To take a moment and accept Christ. And let someone know. You can let me know at the altar. I'll be up front. You can let me know right after the service. If you want someone to pray with you. I encourage you to come forward. And give me that opportunity to have one of our folks. Take some time just to pray with you about that amazing decision of of accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. Of taking his payment and placing it on your sins, his blood. Maybe others here today would say, you know, I've done that. I know that I'm a Christian. Could I encourage you before this evening to take a moment to examine your life, examine your heart, Examine some of the things in your life that you might say, you know what? Some things I need to take care of. Last night, my wife and I were laying in bed. True story. And my wife said, it's the Lord's Supper tomorrow night. And I said, yeah, sweetheart, it sure is. And she said, well, I got a few things I want to tell you I'm sorry for. It's cute. She said, I I just, I don't know, I just want to be ready for tomorrow night. So could we talk about a few things that... I just feel like we need to talk about before we partake tomorrow night. I said, let's do it. So we stayed up a little later. She texted me this morning. I'm good about reading her text. I'm not going to do it. She texted me this morning. She said, thanks for last night. I can't wait till tonight. I just feel like we needed to have that conversation. Examine our marriage. Examine our hearts. Examine our lives. And just get some things right so that tomorrow night will be sweet. So We could do that right now. We could take a few moments if you'd like. In fact, if it's okay with you, I'd like for us just to remain seated. I'm going to ask that the lights be dimmed. They're going to sing a song. And while they're singing, just 
Maybe pray with your spouse. Maybe you might pray with your child. Might just want to pray alone. In your seat, take some time. If you need to be saved, I'm going to be up front. I'd love to have an opportunity to pray with you. Brother Butch, maybe you could join me. And then maybe after we are seated, we'll stand and sing through a chorus together before we're dismissed. Can I pray over you today? Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus.